Welcome. You're listening to the Diving In podcast, brought to you by Virginia Seymour and Louise Jones. This podcast is part of a lifelong conversation between friends about the books we're reading and the issues they make us think about. That also goes for the movies and television we're watching and the podcasts we're currently hooked on. We might even talk about what's in the news and anything else we're diving into this week. Diving In. Hello, Louise. Hello. Hello, divers. Welcome to our book club episode. We're going to be chatting about The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tolls today. Uh, And because this is a book club edition, it's going to be a bit different from our normal episodes and it will contain spoilers, plot points, all that sort of thing. So if you're planning to read this book soon, I think we would recommend that you save it and listen to it after you've read it because I think you'll find it more enjoyable and we don't want to spoil it for you. So this is Amor Toll's third novel. Uh, He's also written a collection of short stories and a novella. I haven't read either of them, but I've got the ISBN numbers, so I'm going to make make sure I get my hands on those. His first novel was The Rules of Civility, which he wrote in 2011, which I just loved. Then his second was A Gentleman in Moscow in 2016, which I loved even more. So I was pretty confident that his third book would be great Mm. and I was not disappointed at all. I just absolutely loved this one. I did not want it to end. And I loved that this is completely different from his earlier books. Every one of his books is just a completely different Mm. period in time, different place, different everything. They're just, they're fabulous. Amor Tolls was born in 1964. Ah. Yeah, very good year. He's American and he attended Yale and Stanford and he worked as an investment banker in New York until 2012. So he was about 47 in the year that his first book was published, Mm. which I really, I love that little fact about him. Rules of Civility did so well, unexpectedly well, I think, that he was able to retire from investment Mm. banking and write full-time. Which is saying something if you're retiring from investment banking. It's really saying something. (laughs) I I sat and looked at that for quite Mm. a while when Mm. I read that. I thought, wow. Uh, He still lives in New York uh, with his wife and he has a a son and a daughter. Uh, So, Lou, you were going to have set us up with the beginning of the yes, of the story. Yes, and I apologise for those of you that have read it, but I will just give the briefest of sketches of the book. We know it, it commences in June, June the 10th, 1954, and it takes place over a period of just 10 action-packed days, days that occasionally I thought defied belief, but I loved them nonetheless. And having heard just the briefest details about the book and having read the back cover, I had assumed that this was largely going to be the journey of two brothers from Nebraska, Emmett and Billy, newly orphaned, um, their mother absent, their father dead, travelling across America, sort of in the, you know, usual literary tradition of a hero's journey, coming of age. And it certainly starts out that way with them intending to go to California. But very quickly, of course, plans go awry with the arrival of their two friends. Their two friends, Duchess and Woolley, have their own unfinished business, which necessitates detours. And 
the route to California is ultimately shelved. And they all embark on these journeys and astonishing adventures and they gather this very rich cast of characters, don't they, along yes, the way, friends yes. and foe. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, the knitting together of their four stories and the propulsion of those stories over this sort of countdown of 10 days is achieved largely, um, and you may have a different view on this, through the sort of alternative perspectives of Duchess and Emmett, really, and to a lesser extent, Wooly and Billy, although you don't feel like they're lesser characters because they're there part of the dialogue yes, all the time. Yes, But I guess it's the sheer force of maybe on the one hand Duchess's personality yeah. and on the other hand Emmett's responsibility as the older brother yeah. that kind of dominates Yes. The sort of direction. Drives it forward. Drives it forward, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, and this might be something we talk about now or later, that Duchess's chapters are written in the first person. Yes. Whereas Emmett's are not. Yes, it was such an interesting choice. When I realised that he was doing that, I had to stop and go back and just double check. Yes, I did That too. I hadn't made a mistake. Yeah. And, and so then I sat for a while and pondered that. Yeah. And... I think that was a very deliberate yeah. thing that he's done. And we're inside Duchess's head, which, of course, makes us more sympathetic to him. Yes. And I think that that was a necessary yes. uh, <laughs> a necessary device yeah. to, to make us more sympathetic to yeah. him and understand what his thought processes mm. were, such as they were. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because Emmett's personality was he didn't, ask people for help. He didn't share what he was doing. He was a very interior boy who felt the weight of his responsibility towards his brother and and so like he's he's the family now. And so it made sense that he was third person because it was removed from us a bit. A little bit. But also it was so very obvious what Emmett yeah. was thinking yes. and doing no, all that's the time. True. That's like you true. were never in doubt what but was you in his, his heart. Yeah, yeah, no. But I felt that, you know, Duchess was always telling people what he was thinking and how he... Yeah, but uh, yes, I will, I'm going to talk about Duchess yeah, a bit okay. more. So I think yes. we'll come back to that yeah, because okay, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. I'm doing, I'm going to talk about both of those okay, good. characters. Well, we'll, so we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll touch on those a bit more because they're fascinating. And the other thing, just the other thing I wanted to mention was I thought it was also interesting structurally how successive chapters dealt with the same incident but from the perspective yeah, of different we, characters. Yeah, so, you know, you might have the perspective of Billy and then the next perspective might be Wooly recounting the same event mm. or the same incidences. And so for me that kind of it embedded the action more over this very short period of 10 days but it also was very informative in terms of building character because each character took away different conclusions and different lessons yes. oh, yeah. from those events. Yeah. And it sort of accumulated their own experience, didn't it? Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, you really got a good idea of where they all stood on yeah. things. And, and I, look, I thought I'd just mention finally the Lincoln Highway was the largest transcontinental highway in America, commencing in Times Square in New York and passing through multiple states, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio, across America, Utah, Nevada, into California, ending in the Lincoln Park in San Francisco. Yeah, it's so amazing. So that's a symbolic it's amazing. journey. Yeah. I loved the structure of the book. I loved the fact, I mean, there's just so much to love about this mm. book, but I loved the fact that you open it up and there's a map. I know. I mean, I know. you know, so big ticks just yes, before you've absolutely. even yeah. gone any further. Then you have a quote from Willa Caver. Mm. 
I don't know if you've read her. Yeah. Yes. I've only read My Antonia, which is just one of my, oh, it's the most well, wonderful I, book. I heard currently reading talk about My Antonia. Oh, So okay. I bought it. I, I sent oh. off for it months and months and months ago. Right. And, yeah, and I've read it. Oh, yeah, yeah no. Yeah. It's just that some of the stories in that. Actually, I think we should do a Willa yes, Cather book. Yes, be good, book. wouldn't it? Yeah. I'd love to do one of the ones because there's several. And then we have the interesting structure where we start with Chapter 10. Yeah, yeah. I love that, that the chapters went 10, 9, 8. And it took me a little while to work out that it was sort of this countdown of the 10 days. Yeah, and it really drives the story forward to a very definite end. Yes, because you know something's coming, don't you? Well, I just thought, well, in some ways that is just the most obvious thing. All books should go work that way. Yeah, yeah. Start at the where we are now and move yes. forward yes. to the ending of the story. Yes. I think all books should have that from now on. I just absolutely mm. loved it. And then, of course, what he did was right at the very end of the final chapter, Duchess mm. does a countdown, 10, yes. 9, 8, yeah. which mirrors yeah. what's happened. So I mm. absolutely there were, loved it. There that. were a lot of, oh, that makes sense now, moments yeah. for me in the book. Yeah. There were a lot of... Joining the dots yeah. throughout the whole book. So we're going to start. With- I will. I will. It's a very male book. It's a very masculine book. It's very much dominated by male characters. And the first one I'm going to talk about is Emmett, because you'd have to call Emmett the main character. Although may- maybe that's arguable, but I think mm. at first glance, anyway, Mer- Emmett is the main character because he's the one we meet at the opening of the first yes. chapter and the one the reader attaches on to very, yeah, you know, and it's because very of early in the story. And he's, that, 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 yeah. that the whole story starts. Yeah, exactly. So he is driven home from his juvenile detention centre and he's coming home to sort of terrible circumstances where he is now responsible for his little brother, Billy. And we're really rooting for Emmett all the mm. way through. Mm. We really want him to to succeed in whatever it is he wants to succeed in. And he really never disappoints us. I can't, no. I can't, I was thinking about it. I don't think there's ever a moment in the book where I thought, oh, Emmett, why did you do that? I mean, I, I felt frustrated for him and occasionally with him because he was very tolerant of his friends. Yeah, I wish he'd been a bit more assertive yeah. with Duchess from time to time. Yeah. But morally he, yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. he didn't. He doesn't waver. Yeah. And he never disappoints Billy. No. Which I just, mm. I loved that dynamic mm. of that brother relationship. Emmett is a very salutary lesson about the dangers of one punch, the one yeah, punch gosh. and the consequences of committing a one punch attack. I think at one stage it was called a king hit. Yes. And certainly in, in Perth here uh, and in Western Australia and, and Australia, we've changed the name. We now call it a coward's punch. And Emmett is very fortunate that it's 1954. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and not yeah. Yeah. currently because he wouldn't yeah. have been, he would have been incarcerated for far longer. Oh, yes, because we've had a number of deaths here from these sort of punches where there's a fight, one guy hits another, the victim falls awkwardly, hits his head in a vulnerable way. Regardless of the reasons why yes, it happened or in the first place. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was definitely provoked, but the consequences were just so serious for him. So to some extent, Emmett is the straight guy in the story. Mm. He's really trying to do the right thing and to get on with his life. And he is surrounded by very colourful characters who 
are just keep getting him into trouble mm. and derailing mm. his attempts. Mm. So obviously if you've read this book, you'll realise he decides that because the farm's been foreclosed, he's going to take Billy and make a fresh start. And where we're really wanting him to get away from that small town, there's nothing good there for them, and go on and be successful and look after Billy and all that sort of thing. And to me, <laughs> this whole story which I think I sort of think of as a quest story or, mm. or a road, road trip story, mm. reminded me very much of one of those stress dreams that I have <laughs> where I need to get to a particular place. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. And I can never get there because there are impediments that keep yes. popping up. Yes. And they stop me from getting yeah. there. And it, when I wake up from those dreams, I'm often all sweaty yeah. and distressed. It means you're too busy, Ginny. <laughs> and I'm not getting what I wanted done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. yeah. And th this was exactly yeah. like that. So yeah. I did at times. Yeah, I did too. Every time a new impediment came, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just kept thinking, yeah. oh, my God. Which is why I think occasionally I would get irritated with Emmett because I'd think, don't put up with this. Yes. Don't Stop being so nice. Yes. You know, stop acquiescing and, yes. and you're being manipulated. And, yeah. and I, I would just think, just get, you know, yeah. that, that would really upset. In fact, I initially didn't understand why he decided to, jump on the train and follow them, you know. <laughs> just, I was just thinking, forget it, just go to California. Yeah, just leave the car, get yeah, another car. It. I know. Yeah. And he of didn't course, have any money. The of money course was the in, money was in the back of the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But even though there were all these impediments and they were never, and they never did get there, no. let's face it, they never did. No. <laughs> um, or not at the end of the book anyway. No. Having said all that, I still didn't really want the journey to end, mainly because no. I didn't want the book no. to end. Well, I guess they did embark <laughs> at the end on a new journey. Yes. Well, let's come let's <laughs> let's come to the end then, because I've got so much I want to talk to you about that yeah. and see what you thought about yes. that. But I really didn't want it to end, so I sort of was in sort of torn the whole time yes. as to you know whether I was enjoying all these interruptions and side trips or yes. not. There's probably not a lot more I can say about Emmett because I think he was this sort of straight guy. He, you know, he was honourable. He'd made a promise to Billy to count to ten mm. whenever he felt like punching someone and he yes. more or less up to a point stuck to that. Yes, he, yes. Well, when it really counted, he did. And I think that's probably what drove him. He yeah. probably was tamping down his yes. anger because yes. anger had got him into trouble. Yes, okay, that's interesting. Before, and I think he thought, I can't allow yes. an impulsive, angry act to derail my life. So I've maybe got that, that my irritation is misplaced in that respect because no, he was holding himself I, in. I, th I think it's justified because I felt it too. Mm. And I don't think it was in Billy's best interests, really, no, to, no, to let the other boys determine what they no. were going to do. So I don't think it was in their best interests, but I think that was probably his motivation. Yes. Did you find at times that Emmett, uh, it was occasionally for me not entirely believable that he would leave Billy alone as often as he did? Yeah. I know that it necessit the circumstances necessitated yeah. it and he trusted Billy and Billy was smart. Yeah. But I just occasionally I thought, yeah. would you really have left him by himself? Yeah. All I kept thinking was these kids are 18 and 19. Yes. You're right. So the judgment and, is. And yeah. they're just at that age, young guys just yeah. do not have a fully yes. developed frontal lobe. Yes. They don't think consequences through, no. which is why all of them had ended up in detention yes. centres. Yes. We're not talking guys who have 
no. got that level of maturity. So they do dumb things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On occasion, I just thought, oh, oh that was not yeah. a wise thing to yeah. do many times. Well, did you want to talk about Billy? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, Billy is eight when Emmett returns from the prison farm and, and you instantly know what a bright child he is. He's got a great brain. Um, you know, he acquires knowledge. He reads voraciously. And it's interesting because Emmett clearly thinks I've got to new- break this news gently to to Billy. We, you know, you know, we've got we've got to leave the family farm. But Billy's three jumps ahead. He's anticipated the news, and he's, he's already got, got his bag. He's got his bag. <laughs> he's got his bag packed, and he's you know he's not only has he got his bag packed, he's got a map of America in the in the back. And he's, he's worked out where they're going, why. He's got a service <laughs> flashlight, you know, and he's he's got all the kit, hasn't he? He's got everything. Because of course he knows that they're on their way. And his most precious possession, which you know looms very largely in the whole book, um, more precious probably than his collection of silver dollars and his mother's postcards, um, is this book, this sort of compendium of heroes, adventurers, and other intrepid travellers by a professor Abacus Abernathy, which was given to him by his um, so beautifully by in his library. school librarian. <laughs> I know it's just this one little fact, but it just it melted your heart, didn't it? it I would so have beautiful. given Billy a book like that I would too. If I, I would too. <laughs> And this is kind of Billy's Bible in more ways than one. So it's, you know, obviously it contains all these stories of heroes. Some are real, some are imaginary. And this, I just loved how Abernathy's commentary not only is a great source of learning for Billy, but also it's his moral compass, isn't yes, it, really? Yes. And it's it's the lens through which he sees everything. And I thought at one stage it would be easy to dismiss Billy is just a precocious child who is at that age where you just suck in and absorb this knowledge and then you regurgitate it. But he really applies the lessons yes. that he's learned from Abernathy's yeah. book, doesn't he's, he? He's and a wise little kid. He's very wise and he make and he uses them to make sense of the situations they find themselves in and actually to solve some of their dilemmas as well. He solves many of their dilemmas. <laughs> yeah. He's a truth teller. He's an absolute, he is the truth teller. Well, he and Woolly maybe to an extent as well are, are truth tellers. And he in sees this. everything with the most startling clarity. Yeah. He realises that Duchess can't read. He realises that Duchess can't swim. Well, he notices, doesn't he? Because he's often sitting listening to the dialogue of other characters. So he's he's an observer, yeah. isn't he? He's so he's listening to what they're all saying and paying he's, attention to everything that's going on. And he's processing on. it, isn't he? The um, other interesting thing about Billy is that he is exactly the same age in this book mm. as Duchess was when Duchess's yes. father yeah. dropped him off at the yeah. orphanage yes. for two years yeah. and left him there. And so you can see some comparisons. Yeah, and, and look, a preco- there is a precociousness of Duchess, of course, as well. Yeah. Definitely, I think this this book provides an armor for for Billy and his, as we've said, that his the means to make sense of the world. There's a lovely part of the book which I really enjoyed is when Duchess is in New York and they're driving over the Brooklyn Bridge and Billy spies the Empire State Building that he's not seen before and Duchess remarks that isn't that where Professor Abernathy lives because I think the start of the book he says I'm writing to you yes. from the 55th floor of the Empire State Building and Duchess because there is nothing that Duchess thinks he cannot do says well let's go and visit him yeah and off they go to visit Abernathy and of course Billy tells him his entire history in a very short period of time yeah. <laughs> and this whole book for me had these 
serious Wizard of Oz vibes about it. I just, this idea of four characters with their own flaws and their own imperatives on this journey, uh, sometimes together, sometimes not, it just created Wizard of Oz vibes. And then this idea that Abernathy is in this tower of the Empire State Building in, you know, New York City, maybe Emerald City, yeah. and, you know, he's coaxed out of his tower yep. by Billy and the boys. Yep. And, of course, the Wizard of Oz was himself flawed. Yes. And yes. Abernathy reveals his humanity as yeah, well. Absolutely. And I just absolutely loved that yeah. part of the yeah. book. And then the interaction with the man who has effectively rescued Billy on the train when he's left alone from uh, a con man. Uh, and that's Ulysses, of course, the yeah. returned ex-soldier. Yeah. And I, I just I loved the character of Ulysses, yeah. yeah. travelling around for eight years without yeah. returning home, yeah. which, of course, mirrors the Greek myth of yeah. Ulysses. Loved who is re- Who is kept from his home yeah. for ten yeah. years. Uh, just all of those sort of tie-ins oh with gosh. the heroes and the... Oh. It's just fantastic. Loved it. So... Billy's a minor character, a sidekick, but he's actually given the same weight, isn't he, to the other guys? Absolutely, and he has your heart from page one. Yeah, Yeah, no, lovely. Little earnest boy. Oh, my goodness, you just... And it's the magical part of the book, really, is it creates this magical... And his relationship with Sally is just beautiful. beautiful. And while we're on the subject of Billy, there's a little side story where Sally is reflecting back about an interaction at the school when That's Billy right. refused to get under the desk. That's right. With a nuclear, was it a nuclear? I think it was a nuclear yeah, like a, test. Like a drill? A drill, yes. wasn't it? Yes, nowadays it would be a gun drill. Yes. And they came up with a beautiful solution, which was that Billy would be the one to go from classroom to classroom. Yeah, yeah. And the, and it preserved Billy's moral code, which he didn't want to be a coward and hide under no, the desk. Oh no. my gosh, I love that little story. I love. And the she way went they... into bat for him with yeah. the headmaster. Oh, it was fabulous. Just yeah. wonderful. So many little gems like that in this book. <laughs> now, are you going to talk about the rogue? Ah, uh, the rogue. Oh my gosh. I mean, Duchess is the most elusive. Yeah. And complex and nuanced character. Very difficult to get a handle on yeah. him. I have to confess that I did not get a handle on him really until I'd finished the book. Yeah. And it's only after having finished it that I could see Duchess sort of for what he was. Yeah. I think I cut him a lot more slack than I, looking back, should have. But as you say, that's possibly why Tolls. I think that's why we're in his head we're because his head. Yeah. you do cut someone slack when you're in their head. You just, and he's, he's self-rationalising what he's doing, isn't he, all the time. He's, yeah. he's giving and you a... So, and you buy it. So it's manipulative, it. yeah. We find out that Duchess's father had been an actor, always on the move, and at the age of eight, Duchess was dropped off at a boy's home by his father and his father then drove off with some new woman and left him there for two years until it suited his father to come back for him Mm. when the woman was no longer on the scene. And that obviously left a profound scar on him. Then we find out even later on why it is that Duchess ended up in the uh, juvenile detention centre or the prison camp or whatever you want to call it. And the irony was that of all of them, Duchess was the one who had done absolutely nothing wrong and was set up by his father, which just tells you so much about what's driving yes. Duchess. He's obviously got some, probably some anger issues, I, I would say. And he's had as a, a mentor or the person that he 
supposedly looks up to initially as someone who's highly opportunistic and yeah. manipulative as you mean well. his that, dad. Yeah, that's yeah. the example he's had for him at, at, yeah. from a young life, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I'm not, I don't know how much he looked up to him, though. I'm well, I, I think he would have initially, and that was the yeah, example he yeah, had. So. But then yeah. now, of course, yeah. he's on a different quest. Yeah, <laughs> he's on a different quest. Yeah. So he's a bit of a philosopher, mm. and, and that's what we get when we're inside his head, all his sort of theories about people. And, and he introduces us to this concept of the ledger. Yeah. Uh, he says, through our misdeeds, we put ourselves in another's debt, and through their misdeeds, they put themselves in ours, which is not a philosophy I believe in no. at all. <laughs> it's very Adam uh, and Eve. It's very yeah, and I Old just Testament. I really can't bear that sort of mm. um, thing. I, you know, I'm so violently opposed to that. But mm. it is a sort of a key driver of the book mm. because not only does Duchess feel that he has a ledger that he needs to square up, yeah. but he, he also tells us that he thinks Emmett has a bit of a, a ledger to square up when he lets the brother of the boy who Emmett killed yeah. swings at him and hit him. He was doing that because he felt that that was something he owed him. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. I think you know, having read the whole book now, I don't think that was just uh, Emmett's motivation at all. Emmett's motivation was to stand there and, and count to ten. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> but that's the beauty of having two <laughs> yeah. chapters juxtaposed, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Where it's one from one perspective and one yeah. from the other. But we do buy Duchess's account at least and, uh, half until halfway uh, through halfway the book. Halfway through the book, I thought, oh, yeah. okay, you know, he wasn't, he isn't one of the ledger people. So Duchess tells us that he has three unsettled debts, one that he would have to make good on, which was to a fellow inmate at the detention centre, a mm. guy called Townhouse, and two that he would have to collect. Uh, one was his father, not surprisingly, and the other one was Ackley, the warden mm. of the detention centre. He sounded like a horrible man. So... <sighs> <laughs> There's so much to say about that. He does so many terrible things. He mm. takes Emmett's car. Then he purports to just give Emmett's car away, even though it's not his car to give. No. He just throws the keys to that guy mm. and hands it over. So just not not mm. thinking or not caring. I I, I found that an incomprehensible yes. thing yeah. to do because it was very obvious yeah. to us that that car was everything mm. to Emmett. He'd saved. He wasn't going to let the repossession guy take it on the farm, it was his means to get where he wanted to be mm. and it had the money in it mm. and it, it, it took him back to his childhood, all those things. And Duchess just cavalierly throws mm. it away without any regard for Emmett. And yet at other times he's, he's quite caring of him. Um, he attracts the police yes. through the car. So then the police are chasing whoever owns mm. that car because they know that crimes have happened. He's incredibly violent. Mm. Uh, he's very violent to Ackley. Yeah. <laughs> he's violent to the guy that spurred on the, the attack where Emmett stood up and let the brother yes. uh, hit him. He follows him down and hits, hits him, with, him a, with a piece of four by two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I, it's interesting. I, I, I definitely bought into the... Di his internal dialogue and his rationalisation for why he was doing certain things. But but things escalated with him quite quickly. And I 
just felt that he was just a very damaged young yeah. man whose yeah. father had treated him appallingly and at some level you know this ledger had come into his head that that's what you did and you yeah. you took the opportunities that presented even if they caused damage to other people yeah. and i mean again an 18 year old perhaps with his frontal lobe not completely <laughs> developed so yeah i have to cut him that slack yeah. but and particularly towards the end the the choices he makes you know, I, I just thought he was damaged yes, and manipulative. So, yeah. And, you know, remember when he locked all the nuns in at the I orphanage? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and also locked Emmett in, Emmett in the, a room with a hooker. With a hooker. And it was always to serve his own purpose. I mean, his own purpose was also always forefront even when he knew that he thought he could correct it later or yeah he, he, he you know he, I, he did himself. arrogantly justify it yes. to himself yes. um so and ultimately his true colors yeah shone shone through, shone yeah. through. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he also lied which yeah. I, I that's a big thing with me i just don't, it's interesting. I don't like lies <laughs> you you said earlier he he is the impediment to the journey and that's absolutely who he is he is Emmett's huge block. He's he just impedes everything in that journey from the moment he says, "No, you're not driving to California. You're going to take us in the other direction," mm. and then it just never ends. You know, mm. it's now we've got to go and see this person, and now we've got to go and see that person. Mm. <laughs> For goodness sakes, mm. it completely selfish. Makes everybody do what he wants to do. But then, on the other hand, he is very tender. Yeah, and charming, charming as well. He is charming, but I think he's he. There are moments where he's with Woolly in that chain of hotels, Mm. and Mm. he knows that Woolly's got his medicine in inverted commas. And there's a part where he sort of puts a rug over Woolly and puts a glass of water beside his bed, so that when he wakes up, he'll have a glass of Mm. water. um, To the flashes of humanity. Yeah, yeah. and he keeps a very strict accounting of what he owes Emmett from the money that he's helped himself to from the boot of the car. He's very patient and kind Mm. to Billy. It Mm. explains everything. Mm. He doesn't sort of feel that Billy is a nuisance or a pest. He He, does eventually get irritated with Billy. True, but for most of... But you would. Yeah, yeah, true. (laughs) Townsend mm. uh, describes him as having no peripheral vision, right? Okay. which I thought was interesting. Mm. Once something's not straight in front of him, he doesn't see it or think about it. He's just yes. concerned with what's directly yes. in front of him. But that's kind of almost like an opportunistic kind of thing, yeah. isn't it? He's He's got this goal. Yeah. And he's tunnel vision. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I had very mixed – well, Put it this way, because I was cutting him so much slack, and I, I think we should probably talk about the ending as a thing at the yes. end maybe. I think that would be a good yeah. way to do it. But I I was shocked by what happened at the end yeah. and I thought, oh, that's his true colours. And so then I had to sort of go back and reevaluate everything that I had thought yeah. about him and all the moments when I'd cut him some slack. And, for example, the first time you see... I mean, apart from stowing away in the boot of the car, which was obviously mm. a bad thing to do, and it was going to get Emmett into trouble for perhaps aiding and abetting mm. or harbouring mm. an escapade. There are all sorts of things that could be levelled at Emmett for mm. being associated with him. But the first bad thing he really does is that hitting that guy with the two by four. Mm. And even in that moment, because we're already on board with Emmett and we want Emmett to... You know, we feel like Emmett served his time, he's paid his due, 
that wasn't fair that he got hit in mm. such a bad way and it was horrible, that, that mm. scene where he, he gets up and he's all yeah. woozy and he falls back down again. There was a small part of me that did want that guy to suffer some oh, consequence. Yes. I yeah. mean, I certainly found yeah. it quite repellent that he hit him with a two-by-four, but yeah. I did quite like the idea in principle of him getting some justice yes. or some karma yes. for egging yes. on that fight. When I look back on it now, I think, oh, my goodness, you know, that was just so yeah, it's interesting. Now, we will talk about the ending, but I also wonder, on the other side of playing devil's advocate, and I, and I agree with you, by the way, potentially some people might say, well, he was just a pragmatist. Yeah, yeah, I think he was a pragmatist. And even at the very end. Yeah, he, the, was, a, he the, was, was absolutely. There was some pragmatism. Yeah, to, and to, that to, also goes with the peripheral vision, yeah, doesn't it? And yeah, not, he just says, well, this is this how is it is. This is where I am now. And, and this yeah. is what I have to deal with. Yeah, yeah. that's so true. Yeah. Uh, so... Woolly. Yes, I'm going to talk about Woolly. Wallace Martin, uh, who, of course, is the other Selena inmate of Emmett and the Duchess. Now, of course, Woolly's quite different to all of the others. He comes from a, a well-to-do East Coast family um, who have, you know, this compound or camp, as it's referred to, in, in the Adirondacks Mountains in New York State. So my take on Woolly is he is sort of presented as what might have been appallingly described as simple in 1954. Yeah, I don't think he was simple at all. Yeah. No, no, I don't think he is, but I think that the other characters think he is. He's viewed as being simple. I think they view him as being someone on drugs. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's more than that. I certainly think they know that he needs to be taken care of. And they know that he can't survive without his drugs. Yeah, but I don't know that he was on drugs when he was with his sister and she was coaching oh, him. Oh, absolutely, and when he was. Growing, he up, was. growing up, and you think he was? Oh, when he was a young kid. Yeah, and I think there, there's, there's, yeah, there's, okay. there's discussions oh, that he's not that he's not as capable as other members of the family, and there's pressure on him to. Well, I just, yeah, okay. I took that having to recite the Constitution or whatever it yeah. was as a moment where a very successful massive Kennedy-like family yeah, yeah. made it very hard to be someone who wasn't quite as... Well, that's what I mean. I think they're marking him But I don't him think out. that makes him simple. No. I don't think he was intellectually compromised in No, no, way. but I don't think he is simple. I think that... No, but I don't think they thought he was. Yeah, what, okay. You might be right. I, no, I no, just I, That isn't the... I think they thought he needed his drugs. He was, he was addicted to his drugs and... They knew that he needed taking care of. He could not take care of himself. But there is a real naivety about him. And it's interesting yeah. because I do agree that he's definitely struggling under the weight of his family's expectations and yeah. and, and, yeah. and his own disappointment and their disappointment in him. Yeah. But the way he can't concentrate in class, I think it's probably ADHD. I don't probably, know. Probably, yeah. It, you know, yeah. he can't concentrate in class. Yeah. He hates conformity. I mean, he got thrown out of three boarding schools. I know the last one was to do with the fire, but yeah. <laughs> he, he just couldn't settle. He couldn't settle. Yeah. He couldn't conform. Yeah. So to me, this, I mean, it could be, I don't know if he's autistic. I don't know what it is, but yeah, to me, okay. there was some yeah. learning stuff going on there. And, and so he self-medicated to cope. Yeah. That's oh, how, he definitely had issues. I just didn't. Simple's probably I, the wrong yeah, word. I didn't feel like they thought he was simple, but I, I guess that that's just a yeah, different okay. take on it. Okay. Well, uh, it's, it's interesting, well, isn't it? it? Is. I didn't think we would end up having as much discussion about Woolly. Yes. But he yeah. is such a fascinating character. He is fascinating character. character. And look, for me, there's a real fragility, even before oh, what, we get, what we're coming yeah. to at the end. Yeah. There's a real fragility and sadness around him. And the fact that he is so yeah. comfortable in Billy's company also made me feel that he was perhaps a little bit 
neurodivergent as well because he's very comfortable with Billy. I mean, Billy is talking about these heroes and these places and places that Woolly has been to because he's well-travelled. His family have taken him to to Greece and to Paris and to Rome and, and so he knows about these monuments. And I don't think it's simply that Duchess and Emmett leave them alone. I think they 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 do, gravitate. They gravitate yeah, towards yeah. each other. They're yeah. comfortable in each other. And maybe it's because Billy doesn't expect much of Woolly. True. I'm yeah, just, and Billy's know. very sort of non-judgmental. He just sort yes. of sees a person with great clarity. Yes. and accepts them how they are, yeah. which is one of his lovely qualities. It is. I mean, Woolly also has that genteelness because he's yes. from a well-heeled family. Yes. He has that kind of mannerly gentleness about it, which is very useful to them from time to time yeah, when they get themselves so in yeah. a couple of scraps. I'm going to be thinking about Woolly now in terms of, so when you say ADHD do you, or neurodivergent, do you mean autism or do you mean yeah, ADHD? Yeah, possibly. There's, there's just something about him. I mean, we know he can't concentrate. We know he... Yeah, so maybe more an ADHD. He struggles. He, I mean, we know he's struggling with this world. Oh, definitely, And I think yeah. it's more than simply that his family have these huge expectations yeah, that yeah. he gets told off by his brother-in-law yeah, yeah. for not sort of holding down yeah. his position yeah. at boarding schools and the, and the impact it has on the family's reputation. So he certainly doesn't want to be of this world. No, he's not coping. No, no. Uh, so, yes, he's self-medicating. And he's a bit in his own world, like yeah. when he took the fire engine. And- so maybe it is the fact that he's self-medicating and the drugs are affecting him. Yeah, maybe. The other thing I, I wanted to mention about Woolies, that was a couple of things. You know, obviously there's the $150,000 inheritance that's in the safe at the family yeah. camp. And they, they tell Emmett that they've decided to go and collect it and divide it up. But I really feel that Duchess is taking advantage of Woolly there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the fact that Woolly... What's his entitlement to any of yeah, Woolly's money? Yeah, and Woolly doesn't have any interest really. And it, to me it's just Duchess finding out that there's this money absolutely. and that he can get his hands on yeah, it. Yeah, let's go and get it. And he sells it. We can divide it up and I'll help you get it and then yeah. we'll take a cut. Yeah, and I just... Just so, so such to a me, con yes, man in that. He, he is... <laughs> Yeah, he is kind to Woolly, but I just think Duchess has just got his eye on the prize there. And the other thing which I didn't know, which you will know, having read Rules of Civility, is that there's a connection between Woolly and Rules of Civility. So he is the nephew of the character Wallace Walcott from that book. I haven't checked that out, but I did wonder because there are a few references in here. So I'm actually keen to read Rules of Civility again because... There's a watch. The watch that Woolly gives Billy is... Unusual for 1954. It has a black face with white numbers and that was highly unusual. And the reason why in those days they created those watches was because the light wouldn't catch a glint that would be discerned by snipers in the wall. That's right, yes. Yeah, so that, that watch... I think is given to Woolley's uncle Wallace when he's preparing to leave for the Spanish Civil War. Yep. And there's some talk in this one also about f- photographs and people in photographs. Yes. And yes. rules of civility is a lot about photographs. Yes. And I think also the Adirondacks. Yeah, the all of that. Feature, all the, of the that. house yeah. features yeah. In, yeah. in rules of civility. So I thought that was kind I'm of. I'm going to try and read it in December. Kind of charming that. Amor Tolls obviously writes these three incredibly different books and yet different time periods. There's one little bit of New York that's common and, yeah, yeah, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. So that's Woolly. Ah, Woolly. Lots to talk about What an interesting, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be thinking about that because I think you're right. I think think I've decided now diagnosing, I think it's ADHD. Yeah. 
Yeah. But of course, back in 1954. Well, they would have thought it was simple or no, they would have said there was something wrong yeah, with no, him mentally, you know. No yeah, diagnosis, and, no nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and they would have viewed him as... Uh, you know, and they sin- definitely felt that they had to look after him. And, in fact, at one point Duchess says, I've been looking after him ever since I met him or something like that. Yeah. So you obviously, can you imagine a kid like that in a detention centre with hardened kids? Absolutely. He, uh, oh, my goodness. And he would have gone more and more into himself. Um, yeah. And, of course, the most tender thing, of course, is one of his sisters, Sarah, who clearly has always looked yes. after him and loves him and yeah. forgives him everything. It's yeah. It's a very small little portrait, but it's lovely. Yeah, oh, my goodness, with the horrible husband. Why do you think Dennis is in inverted commas? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like, is Dennis in Woolly's head a character or a caricature? Well, I wonder if it's because Dennis takes <laughs> him into his study and Dennis <laughs> yeah, yeah. tells him what he should be doing yeah, and yeah. Dennis, okay, yeah. you know, has an opinion on everything. So that, <laughs> yeah. that's, how, that's how it was for me. Yeah, Wally was just like, true. I'm over this. Don't be telling me I'm going to be getting a job with your friend. And yeah. what I, I think he just wanted, Wally just wanted to fade away from all he of that. He really did. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was very obvious that Dennis was Wally's nemesis and yes. he was in inverted yeah. commas. Yeah. I was quite fascinated by that. The other character that I really loved was Sally. She provides a lovely female counterpoint to all the masculinity in the novel. She is also presented in the first person. Yeah. I, which is was quite surprising. I wasn't just it? did not get I still don't get that. Such a minor character. Why who did he do drops that? Drops in and out only at sort of odd points in the story. My theory is, this is just a thought I had, is that maybe he was trying to balance things up a little bit in terms of the representation of the, or the voices in the story. Because what Sally does is she, there's one chapter where she talks about the Bible and she gives us this very feminist interpretation of the Bible, Mm. which I really Mm. loved. She's quite a a feminist. And she's feisty, yeah. She's quite feisty. Even with her own family, not just with Emmett. She's she's such a good representation as well of the role of women in 1954. Mm. So I think perhaps he thought that that would be a really nice way to get a flavour of of the Mm. era, cooking and cleaning up after her father and her brothers. The father can't even make a pot of coffee for himself. No. So what oh do you mean that by, by putting her in the first person, it brings her forward? Just a bit more forward. And it elevates her. Elevates. Yes. And gives us a bit more of a flavour of yes. the times. Yeah, no, I, I, I can and see that And it's not all yeah. the men and, and yes. the men's world. We yeah. just sort of get a bit more of a feel and, for what it was really like. And maybe on that like. same point is that the two people that are in first person, Duchess and Sally, have the most influence on Emmett in some respects. True. I mean, in the, in the narrative of the story, True. they're the... Sally can bring Emmett to his knees. True. And Duchess obviously has a huge impact on Emmett. They're, yes. they're the two that he sort of almost doesn't stand up to yes. on one level. Yes, true. The other thing, well, I loved a few things about Sally. I loved, you know, I loved the fact that she wants to get out of Morgan and she's got yeah. aspirations, which, you know, mm. in 1954 was not going to be easy. But I also loved the fact there'd obviously been um, a bit of an understanding between Emmett and Sally before he went off to the yes. detention centre, call yeah. it, the prison farm. And then he had probably quite deliberately not encouraged that anymore. He'd not written back to her. He didn't reply to never her. Never thanked her for anything. Yep. And he was, he was sort of rebuffing her in many ways and she was still very giving of herself. 
And then she makes it very clear that she, towards the end, she sort of surprises us a little bit. And I think you can do this really well in the first person mm. where we think that Sally might be hungering after Emmett and, and that she's so interested in this trip because she really wants to end up with Emmett. But really she tells us at the end that she doesn't want to be anyone else's Correct. cook yeah. or cleaner. Yes. She only wants to cook for herself and mm. clean up after herself. And she's really got no interest in doing that no. for Emmett or anyone else. I still think maybe they will. Yeah, absolutely, because <laughs> um, she's so wonderful. Yeah, yeah but you're, you're right. And, you know, she's obviously looked after Billy, you know, while Emmett's been away for so 18 months. And yeah, yeah. I must admit, I was a little bit more forgiving of Emmett. I felt that he didn't want to engage with anyone from the outside yeah. world. Yeah. It wasn't that he was rebuffing her. It's just that he needed to just get through that 18 yeah. months. I don't think it was about her. I no. don't think it was her he yeah. was rebuffing, but he sort of ended up that's what he was yes, absolutely. doing. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because... Because he, he felt her. that he needed to just focus on getting him yeah. and Billy out of there. Yeah. And, and he wasn't the best of communicators in that respect. No. But I think I was more convinced by Sally saying, look, I, you've misread this situation. I do not want to be cooking no. and cleaning for someone yeah. else. That was more convincing to me told in the first person yes, I agree. than if I'd been told it in the third person. Yeah. I, so I, I wondered if that's why he did yeah. that maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I think that um, I, I see that now. She doesn't Her want to be a slave. to be, yeah, yeah, authentic. And, of course, the 1950s was such a... Mm. Not a great time for women. I think I've said on this podcast before how much I don't like the 1950s, no, particularly in Britain. I mean, that you know, it just comes hard on the heels of the second end of the Second World War. I mean, this story takes place only nine years yeah. after the Second World War. Where there have been such inroads into so many things and then they seem to go backwards in yeah. the 50s again, yeah. don't they? You see that a little bit through Sarah yeah. as well with yeah. Dennis, the way yeah. he expects her to you know, have dinner on the well, table. He's odious, isn't he's he? Revolting. Yeah, yeah, and don't have much hope for that marriage, although probably it's not a marriage that will end up breaking up because of simply because of the era. Yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting time period, isn't it? Can I just yeah. say a couple of other things that I loved about this book yeah, before do. we get on to the ending? I loved the, the fact that there was some unjust accusation and wrongful imprisonment yes. in here. Because I always find that fascinating. I wonder if that's, you know, Emmett has done something wrong. Woolley has done something wrong. Yeah. But Duchess is there. Yeah. Because his father has framed him. Yeah. So to that extent, I think that does give us, although we find that out a little bit later. Yeah. But we do cut Duchess some slack there. We do. So I, that really impacts on how we feel about Duchess so and true. how we suspend our judgment of him. Yes. Because we think, oh, gosh, no, no, he he's actually been framed. Yes. So maybe he is a good person. And the other, just as you said that, another reason I think is because Emmett seems to cut him slack. Yes, yes. I think that might be partly why I did as well because yeah. I thought, yeah. well, Emmett knows him really well and Emmett seems to be going along with this, so yes. I will too. Yes, <laughs> yes. I don't know whether that's crazy or not. Mm. The other thing I loved about this was I loved the representation of the different classes that they came yeah. from um, and the fact that the detention centre was just this great leveller yeah. where you have someone like Duchess who's had almost no education, no yeah. formal education and, and can't read, can't swim, was in an orphanage and then travelled. I don't. I, I gather he didn't really have any schooling no. after about the age of eight, if even before that. 
And then you've got Wooly, who comes from old money, mm. and that hasn't made his life any better, even putting aside his neurological mm. issues perhaps. He's, he's certainly no happier and he's not, not buffeted no. from life because of the, the old money. Oh, and very much the opposite. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. He's very much at it's, sea. if anything, made everything worse yes. for him. A couple of other things. I loved the fact there were two Alices in this story. There was an Alice yes. who was the secretary at the talent agency yeah. when Emmett's trying to locate Duchess's father. And then there is an Alice... Yes who Sally's father was courting. I just thought, oh, my God, not only do we have an Alice, but we have two Alices. I must admit, when I read Alice now in books, I go, oh, here we go again. <laughs> you will come to agree with me. <laughs> Somebody needs to do a PhD thesis on, on how Alice, many, how Alice many characters, in literature. Yeah, Alice, how many out there? And the other thing I absolutely loved about this, and I know you will agree with this, is... I loved all the literary oh, references. Loved I loved all the references to the Dumas books, the yeah, Three Musketeers, which it. is really four yes. Musketeers, yes. The Count of Monte, Monte Cristo, Cristo. Yeah, it was fabulous. The Greek myths, yes. Shakespeare, and it finishes yeah. with Shakespeare. I just, I mean, oh, I love that. You know, the Abernathy's Compendium is just so jam-packed yes. with everything. <laughs> yeah. that, it, that was of itself a little bit unbelievable, yeah. the, the way the book was sort <laughs> It was of, the gift that kept it, on it giving. Was, it was. But also all the references to the movies as well. Yes. You know, Duchess in particular, who, as you say, pretty much zero education. Yes. But he got his education because from Because his dad from used life. to send him off to the movies yeah. to get rid of so him So he watched movies. So for yeah. him, the yeah. lens through he was seeing relationships were sort of how people had behaved in movies. And The other thing I found interesting was all the father issues that all mm. these boys had, and they're all boys who've come from a detention centre, so this is not surprising. But each of the four boys has lacked for a strong fatherly yes. guidance. Yes. So Woolley's father died in the war. Yeah. Duchess had, you know, the yeah. dreadful father that he had. And then Emmett and Billy's father, you know, he's a failed farmer mm. and has and, and died a, leaving them penniless. And ostensibly had come from money and had and rejected it. Abandoned. And had abandoned it and chosen to move. To what so, end, you know, yeah, it all seemed yeah. a bit pointless. So, um, and then left him a weird Ralph Waldo Emerson quote or, yeah, or letter yeah. poem or something. I thought that was yeah. very odd. So should we talk about the ending? Because there's things that didn't happen in the ending and yeah. things that did happen. Yeah. Said, let's talk about the things that did happen. Mm. Mm. Were you shocked by the way it panned out? N not at all. Not at all. I was. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I wasn't at all. I, I sort of really felt that Woolly was struggling from the get-go. I just, Woolly, for me, had this kind of cloud of sadness around yeah. him and particularly where, you know, Dennis has just given him a, a, a severe telling off yeah. and telling him that, you know, this is what's going to happen now. Yeah. You're going to do this. And he, you know, Woolly just instinctively just either couldn't conform or didn't yeah, want to conform. Yeah, and you wouldn't be able to measure up. And, yeah, I look for him, I think he wanted to put things in order with his friends. So when do you think he planned what he did? Oh, gosh, I was thinking about that the other day. There's a point, ah, uh, there's a point at which I think it's Abernathy and Ulysses are talking oh. about whether there's hope, because uh -huh. Ulysses says that he'd lost hope after eight years of travelling on freight trains. Yes. He'd lost hope and Billy had given him hope. And there's a discussion about hope. 
And I think that that might have been, I remember thinking, oh, Woolley's listening in on this discussion. Right. There's also another discussion, which I can't remember, the, I'm there sorry. There is a discussion where he talks about having one perfect day. Yes, yes, there is too. Quite early in the book. Yeah. He's, he's, I think he says it to Duchess. I think he says, I'd really like to have one perfect day. And then right at the very end of the book, he, he says something again about having one perfect day. And I thought, gee, that's not my idea of a perfect no. day. But maybe for him coming home to the family property and being with his friends was his idea of a perfect day. So maybe he formulated this plan quite yeah, early. Yeah, that's great. He obviously formulated the plan, I think, when he was at... Sarah's house because he took her medication. He took her medication. And kept a hold of it. And he'd also secreted an extra bottle of medicine yeah. quite early on yeah. in the piece, which Duchess didn't know about. Yeah. So he'd, he did have that plan, but I was still quite shocked. Yeah, no, I, it's so funny because I saw it coming. Yeah. Yeah, I, I knew when they were driving to that house what was going to happen. Oh. I just knew. And I just think that Woolly didn't necessarily want to be of this life. Yeah, no, I think that's right. So, and the way he got everything in order and yes. when he was tidying his room. Shoes and, together. And, and, and oh. uh, yeah, I just knew it was happening. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about Duchess in the boat? Having Billy having said that Duchess can't swim. Well, I was I was shocked that they did that to him. Yeah. And I'm, I sort of can't make sense of it in my no. head. I don't understand why. They put all the money in a canoe with a hole in it. Yes. And put him in it, knowing he can't swim. Yeah, I, I was really surprised at Emmett. To like, me, it just didn't, yeah. wasn't consistent with. Yeah. If Emmett let me down anywhere, that's probably yeah, the I only agree. point. I agree. Because he could so easily have just left him in a floating <sighs> boat. I, yeah, I presume there was one there. Yeah, there must have been because there was yeah. a whole boat shed. Do you think maybe he didn't, re- well, he knew there was a hole. Yes. Yeah. He did know there was yeah, a hole. He, did. he saw he did. that because it had been upturned. Yeah. But I wondered whether he thought it's only 100 metres from shore, he can just paddle yes. back. And by the time he's paddled back, yes. we'll be gone and yes. he'll have his money. Yes. And it just didn't quite pan out that way. That's what I like to think anyway. And I also want, because remember, the Duchess was coming too and groaning and he needed to, Emmett needed yeah. to buy himself a little bit more time. And there was a self-protective element yeah, to, so to he, this. Yeah, so he hit he him was, again. Because he knew th- Duchess was, would have probably killed him. Yeah, and I think, yes, absolutely. And I think that Emmett thought that he'd just bought himself a little bit more time. I don't think he necessarily knew the consequences of what he'd actually done. No. I think he thought he was just buying a little bit more time and the Duchess would come to in the boat and he would be fine. That's what I'm hoping. And it's interesting because <laughs> doesn't the warden say to him right at the very beginning about unintended consequences? Oh, yeah. So to me it's a bit of a full circle it in that respect that Emmett has done again what he did at the beginning to an extent. There's a lovely phrase, and I can't remember what it is. Yeah, he he says there are lots of boys at the detention centre who, and you're and you're not one, and of you're them. not one of them. But he talks about is it to do with chance? But there's a phrase he uses anyway, and I just wondered whether or not there was a little bit of an element of that. So we ask that even those who have had an unintended hand in the misfortune of others pay some retribution. So this is once again back to the ledger. Yes. Of course, the payment of the retribution is in part to satisfy those who suffered the brunt of the misfortune. 
but we also require that it be paid for the benefit of the young man who was the agent of the misfortune, so that by having the opportunity to pay his debt, he too can find some solace, some sense of atonement, and thus begin the process of renewal. You can see where Duchess got all this stuff about the ledger, because yes. it's obviously been preached at in the detention centre. But also maybe that's what Emmett's doing. He's squaring the ledger. Yeah. It's interesting. I, yeah. I, it's not entirely satisfactory for me for the ending. No. And, I, and I've been left with more questions than I have <laughs> yeah, answers. me too. Because we clearly have. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I sort of put it down and went, oh. <laughs> yeah. And, and the interesting thing was as I was reading this, I was thinking I am enjoying this book so much. I honestly don't think the ending can measure up. I sort of knew that the ending was not going to measure up to the rest of the book because I just thought there's nothing that you could do to make this satisfactory to everybody because everybody's no. got different aims here. <laughs> yeah, look, there'll be there'll be people who will be just devastated that Woolley has taken his life. Yeah. And that there's no hope for him. He felt there was no hope yeah. left for him or yeah. there was nothing redeeming about life to keep him in this life. Yeah. There will be people who still have a soft spot for Duchess and who think that it was unfair, Yeah, his ending. And do Emmett and Billy go off into And the... do they get away with it? Yeah. Because, they, of course, this is 1954, no DNA. Yeah, I think they absolutely get away with but it. But do they? Their yes. fingerprints are all over that house. <laughs> yeah, but he's, they'd cleaned up, remember, and they'd wiped and they'd... No, I, absolutely, I think they're about to they make... They nearly a... forgot the book bag. No, <laughs> what else I... did they nearly forget? <laughs> and they're off with Sally, and I firmly believe they're doing exactly what the warden said. They're going to make the most of their liberty. They're off into the... They're building houses yeah. and making money. Yeah, and, I think yeah. they are. I think they are. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I'd love to actually, I haven't read anything about what Tolls has said about the ending. I'd like to sort of no. analyse that a little bit more. Yeah. So the things that didn't happen in the ending, so we start off on a quest and one of the key things that we're told Duchess wants to do is go and meet up with his father. <laughs> and that yeah. never happens. No which I thought was really interesting, an interesting decision. I mean, obviously this book could only be 700-odd pages long, but in no, some, 500 But in some ways, if, if Duchess had found his father, that would have been the last item on his ledger. Yeah. And that would have stopped his quest. You know, that would have brought his quest to an end. And I yeah. think I think Tolls had to keep the quest going. Right, okay. that, that's my take on that. Yeah, because it's in media res. Yeah. It's in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would have arrested. It yeah, would have arrested so the quest. That's so true. Yeah. And the other thing that didn't happen was, well, one of the other things that didn't happen is uh, they didn't get to California. No. And they didn't. Or did they? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. And of course, yeah. But in the book, they, no, they didn't, didn't get yeah. anywhere. Like the book ended before. And they also didn't get anywhere near the mother. No, but to me that was and always... that was a big driver for well, both of them, or certainly for Billy anyway. Yeah. Uh, to me, again, it's so Wizard of Oz, you know, clicking your heels and having to get back to the farm, uh, having to get back to his mother. I Yeah, to me that was just sort of pie in the sky. To me the achievements were what they learned along the way, not yeah, their destination. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the whole thing about a journey, course, isn't it? Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. trite, but yeah, it's not yeah, the destination. Yeah, absolutely. So it's about the journey. But there was, there was certainly no resolution in there. Not a, so often in a book like this, there might be some sort of an acceptance about the mother. The mother just got forgotten completely. Yes, yes. And I think that was perhaps a little bit of a flaw for what, me. That it was Billy's motivation, but it, then we never heard about we, it again. Yeah, she, yeah, he doesn't, we're not in Billy's head, obviously, but he, there's no sort of 
Billy's not talking about her or thinking, oh, well, maybe I'll never get to see her. She just fades away, which Yeah, I thought- and interestingly, the postcards as well. I, I thought more would be made of the postcards yeah. along the journey as well. Yeah. But, of course, they were heading east. They weren't they were heading west. The they are going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, he it probably is deliberate. He takes you on a completely <laughs> different direction, I, doesn't I don't he? think Game Towers does anything. No. Uh, not deliberately. Yeah. He disrupts all of that, doesn't <laughs> Everything he? Everything is, of course. In, yeah, the whole thing is a disruption. It's and a very Greek yeah, myth. That you think Ge- you're heading, <laughs> heading towards California. You're heading towards a future. You're heading towards reconciliation with your mother. And actually, no, that's not what's happening. You're going in a completely different direction. Did you like the little reference to the hookers and yes. the sirens? Yes. <laughs> uh, no one strapped themselves to the mast. No. But probably, actually, if I went back and read this again and just thought, I'm going to look through this for mm. more Greek myth mm. references. Oh, there's so much. <laughs> there's probably yeah, a million absolutely. that I didn't sort of take in absolutely. at the time, which would be fun to do, actually. So if I ever read it again, which I probably will because I oh, love I it will. so much. I will. I, it is a book that I think that you get so many different things from it as you read it again. I'll definitely read yeah, it again. Yeah, I sort of more or less have read it twice because in preparing for today yeah. I really did sort of Dip go back through into it, it. Yeah. in quite a bit of detail. So it and, is all quite fresh And for I me didn't, now. you know, like we, we had a discussion when I had read Jonathan Franzen's Crossroads about books that are 600 pages. It didn't faze me at all with this. I Amor Towers can do what he likes. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> he can make it as are long as he wants. Amor? <laughs> You can do whatever you want. You've heard it from this little Australian podcast. We don't mind. We don't mind. Uh, If I was your editor, I would be just saying, that's great. Yeah. Um, Leave it as it is. I'm going, look, I I don't want to end on a negative note, but I'm going to be quite interested. You know, a gentleman in Moscow has got a cult following. So people are always quite judgy, aren't they, with subsequent novels. I'm going to be interested to see what the press is about this one. I, I loved it. I've seen quite a bit of stuff on the internets and it's all been positive. On the interweb? On the interwebs. <laughs> and I haven't seen anything negative, negative no. so far. So, look, I honestly don't think it's a, it's a polarising novel. I mean, they're, they're sort of four musketeers. Yeah, and, you know, they're young. This is <laughs> the other young, thing. And they're you young. cut them a lot of slack yeah. for that. Have and they're they looking after a little boy. Yeah. I mean, there's some interesting parallels to other books I've loved that, we begin at the end, yes. the Chris Whitaker book, yes. where there's a character called Duchess. Yes. And there's a, the little boy, the little brother that yeah. she's really protective yes. of. And he's, he's somewhat similar, yeah. I think, that, yeah. that earnestness, yeah. taking everything at face value. I, I thought there was some similarities there. Um, the character of Ulysses, which is also the character in Still Life, yeah. the main character in Still Life, which I've only just recently read. So I absolutely loved that. I was a little bit confused about why Professor Abernethy, without having met him, wanted to go off. And I understand that he he was attracted by the romance of this idea of this man called Ulysses travelling the world for 10 years. And he said, can you take me to him? But why he would sort of just decide I'm going on a journey with him when he never met him. And well, no, yeah, I, I know. Look, it's a little bit of a leap of faith, but no, it was a leap of it faith. It was, that's but, true. But, but there were so many leaps of faith yeah, you had to make true. in this book. Really, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Yes, yeah. You know, you know, you leap after leap yeah. after leap. So to me, I just went with it, and to me, it was yeah, the coaxing true. of Abernathy out of his ivory tower. Yes, that he had been a man that had written 
about other heroes and pronounced about journeys and, and he interpreted nothing. them. And he had been sitting there. It, doing nothing. Doing nothing. That's and so he, he decided he, he wanted... And also he had nothing to lose now. Nothing to lose. And so he and Ulysses are going to go off and there's this hope. To me, it was so hopeful. Yeah. And he's an agent of that hope for Ulysses, I yes. think. Yes, because Ulysses had sort of become tired and yes. a bit jaded. yes. And so Billy was that catalyst yes. to introduce him to someone and he could show him yeah, no, and, I loved, and join him on I that. I love that, yeah. that yeah. little part of the story. And given that ultimately there is so much shade or so much dark about, you know, yeah. part of the ending and yeah. I love those sort of hopeful yes. little vignettes yes. along the way. Yes. I thought they were be- beautiful. So how much money did Emmett and Billy toddle off with into the sunset yes, was it, did they have did they take Woolies 50 as well because initially it was going to be Emmett Duchess and Woolie would have 50,000 well, I think they did because of that stupid will yes which was not a valid will yes I know I know because Woolie left them the <laughs> he said in his piece of paper you can yeah. have my share yeah, yeah. so they probably had a hundred thousand yeah with Sally. In 1954, Huge it was like a lot of money. money. And they cleaned up the house, they locked it up. <laughs> they cleverly put one of the Adirondack chairs next to the window so it looked like it had broken the window. Well, uh, someone was going to go in and find that Woolley had got in. Yes, exactly. But And Woolley had left everything shipshape. Ship shape. <laughs> everything was cleaned up. There's the, the sighting of the gun cabinet. I was a bit worried about a few things. But, you know, I think maybe you'd think if you were a simple 1954 policeman, you might think, yeah. well, maybe Woolley tried to kill himself yeah. by getting the gun out of the cabinet yeah. and then decided to yeah. pick some pills instead. Yeah. And I did, oh, that brings me, I did love the touch where Emmett scooped up the sister's packet of pills so that she was not going to feel the guilt. Because, of course, they had that lovely moment in her house, Emmett and her. Yes. So they had that connection. And he did that for her. Well, to me also, whereas Duchess was always on the take, always looking out for himself, looking, you know, because, you know, he was a survivor. Yeah. In the end, Woolley gave a gift. Yeah. You know, didn't he? He 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 gifted. He said, you can come and steal my grandfather's money. <laughs> Help yourselves to stuff that isn't even mine end, to give in, away. In taking his own life, he sort of said. Do you think the family knew, the rest of the family knew that that money was in the safe? Yeah, I don't know. Had his grandfather told him it was there for him? Because I mean, his grandfather, was it his grandfather who told yes. him his money was there? Because yes. the rest of the family didn't think he could be trusted with it. So I think they did know and that he couldn't be trusted with it and they weren't giving it to him. That's why it was in the safe. But. I don't know whether or not they knew. So, it was what are there. they going to say when they go to the safe and it's empty? <laughs> oh, Virginia! <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> well, presumably they'll find somebody floating in a boat or with surfacing it from the a, river, a dead body, and lots of notes in the bottom of the Correct. pond. So oh, here's somebody who has gone in and broken in. Yes, and he's gone and taken the money. Yeah. Uh, although the safe is now closed. So <laughs> yeah. Now, now they got the money out of the safe is beyond Poor me. Poor 1950s Mr Plod is going to be very confused. But I have to say I think uh, in their bright yellow Studebaker car, <laughs> Billy and Emma have got away with it. Yep, and Sally knows nothing, so she's so, as innocent nutter. as they come. And the best thing they can do is to sell that car before they get to California. <laughs> get Should ready. we drop them a line and let them know? <laughs> yes. Yes. So that's it for us yes. and uh, book club. 
Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed reading it mm. and we hope you enjoyed and listening to us. And send us lots yeah, of messages because, <laughs> yes, you know. Tell us what you think and, and also just can you answer all these questions that we have? <laughs> we've asked more than we've answered. Yeah. So could you please let us yeah, know what tell you us think what about you the think. ending? Uh, Louise has given Woolly a diagnosis that I now have to sort of, I was sort of thinking Woolly was just, you know, someone who didn't fit in and all that sort of thing. I just didn't, I didn't really go down a medical pathway with him. So now I've got to rethink my but whole But maybe that's Woolly. a 2021 lens. We have to diagnose everybody with yeah. something. But, you know. <laughs> but the reality is, yeah. I it's think a 2021 I, book. So. Yeah, I think, he, I think he had yeah, I think, stuff happening. And I think he might He be was right. neglected in yeah, my view. yeah. We will be back soon. Oh, oh so no, we might, might do a better ending. No, that. but we've actually got to mention okay. that Virginia and I will obviously take a break over the Aussie summer, but we have two more episodes coming up, and these are episodes that we recorded earlier in the year, not so much earlier. Just a but few months ago. A few months ago for an organisation in London called FANZA, which is the Foundation for Australian New Zealand Arts, and they asked us to record a couple of episodes as part of their European summer arts program. So we recorded two episodes of the Darwinian podcast with lots of Australian new releases at and the time. And New Zealand. And New Zealand as well, sorry, yes. Yes, a couple so of New Zealand books the next two episodes that you will hear are those two fans of episodes. Yeah. And then what? They're we, great episodes. I they think are. they're lots of fun with them. Really yeah. good episodes. And, and lots and lots of books. Lots we, of books, lots of recommendations in yeah. there. And um, lots of good Australian yeah, books so that, in particular. That, that was a lot of fun doing those. Yeah, we loved doing those. And then we'll be back, what? Early February, I think, yeah. we'll be back, we hope. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have a bit of a break. And we'll, we will have read heaps and heaps yes. by then. So we will ready be for brimming with jam-packed lots 2022. Of, yeah, can't wait. Yeah. yeah. We'll be very fresh and ready so, to go. So um, happy holidays, everybody. Yeah. Bye. Bye. We really enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for listening. And thank you for all your lovely reviews too. If you want to know more about today's books or anything else we've talked about, you'll find them in the show notes. And we feature most of the books on our Instagram page too, at diving underscore in underscore podcast. And if you'd like to share any books that you've been diving into, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at hello at divinginpodcast.com. Bye for now. Breaking up, shaping up, working in, diving in.